Welcome to the English Styles Podcast with Stas and Miles. podcast with Stoss and Miles, episode 14. Uh, we took a little hiatus last week because Stoss's city was under constant attack, and uh, this week uh, he's in Kiev, and thankfully he got out safe and is able to do an episode with us. Hello, Stoss, how are you? Hello, Miles. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm in Kiev, and everything is good right now, and... Uh, I want to say thank you for everyone who listened to our podcast and um, just I'm happy. Yeah, thanks for everyone's support. And, uh, you know, I I know this is a difficult time for everybody. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I'm glad that Stas is all right. You know, I've been worried about him since his city has been uh, pretty consistently shelled uh, since the war started. So it's always been scary i'd say uh and i'm personally very happy that he's a little further away from the action at this point uh stas do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened and what you went through these last couple weeks yeah of course i would be glad to tell people about this um two weeks ago um we were like hard and constant uh, uh, under the fire under the attack from um, russian troops and, uh, yeah, the artillery mostly. So mostly, I think it's uh, uh, shellings, but yeah, also shellings. some missiles as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. And because of that, I, as I, as you know, I live in the left bank, and uh, I had to flood to my cousin's home, uh, which is like flee. What? Flee is the present tense. Like if you're talking about how you had to flee to your cousin's home. Oh yeah, I had to flee. I had to flee to my cousin's home, and uh, after that, um, we were in rush and had to grab our stuff quickly and uh, did a road to Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine. Um, yeah, you guys got into a vehicle and you had all you know a small amount of your stuff packed uh, so you could make this trip and uh, almost like a road trip in a way. Yeah, but, it know, took seven duress, hours so. by car. Yeah. yeah. The road and, was uh, smooth. You, yeah, except for you uh, got a flat tire. Yeah, <laughs> but it was uh, at the end of a road. I mean, at the end of a trip, uh, 50 kilometers away from Kiev. But luckily nice. well, we were... But luckily we were... At least it wasn't in the middle of nowhere, right? Uh, it was uh, near the gasoline station. Yeah, the gas station. Gas station, yeah. You don't need to... Yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that all went okay, and I'm pretty relieved that you're, again, just further away from, you know, where the fighting's happening. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, how are you liking Kiev? Um, It's a perfect city. Uh, I've been here a few times, but I didn't really manage to walk along, like, walk 
uh, on on the on the streets and uh, enjoy the city. But now I have a really you, good. You didn't have a chance to explore. Yeah, I didn't, didn't have, have a chance to explore mm-hmm. the city, right? Yes, explore. Thank, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this couple of days, I've been to many places and I took lots of photos. But I'm going to visit more because I want to enjoy this, uh, explore and enjoy this city more. Yeah, maybe we could share some photos too in our channel. That might be a cool thing to kind of keep people engaged. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, that's great. I'm really happy to hear that you're uh, safe. And Kiev is a very interesting city and very historical. Uh, I really hope you have lots of chances to see everything there is there and get some uh, some money while you're there so you can you know live comfortably and let's uh, we'll keep everyone posted on your progress with that. Okay. Like the main goal right so now me, is to find a permanent job. And yeah, well, how was your weekend? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this weekend I. Uh, I haven't been rock hounding in about a month, so I decided to try to do that. Unfortunately, it was not very good. Uh, excuse me, just one sec. Okay. So um, why wasn't it, it wasn't, good? Uh, oh, I just there was lots of uh, rocks, but nothing that I wanted to take home. Basically, I think I found three, uh, and not even agates, but just jaspers, which are uh, a bit more not see-through like they're not clear one of them might be an agate but yeah just overall there wasn't a lot there i think the main issue is this time of year uh you know there's not a lot of storms and the storms kick up new rocks and there's a lot of people hunting and there really wasn't a lot of material to look at so it was it was all right you know i mean i i got some good photos and you know it was good exercise and i got uh, I went to a chocolate shop after I realized that I wasn't going to find much on the beach, and I got a truffle. What is it? Uh, you don't do you know what a, a chocolate truffle? It's like a. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a, just a little ball of chocolate, basically, that is really rich, and uh, you know, it's all right. Uh, yeah, I understood. Butter. I understood what it it's is. It's like a buttery, chocolatey little ball, mm-hmm. so it was very tasty. And, uh, yeah, let's see, what else did I do when I was there? I was supposed to meet up with my sister, but she got kind of a late start, and, uh, by the time I was done with everything and kind of sitting in my car trying to find something else to do, she just got in the water and was going to surf for a couple hours. But then my sister came over to my house after, because her and her husband, uh, are staying at my aunt's house, who lives in Portland, and my sister's actually working on a cookbook right now. Uh, I'll keep you guys posted on that since uh, she was on a couple episodes. She is uh, making a cookbook, and uh, Stas's cousin might help her with some of the uh, some of the artwork that's on the pages. So that'd be really cool. We'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. Uh, but yeah, so she was in Portland, and Portland is uh, closer to. Like, she has to drive through my city to get to the coast. So uh, she went there to surf with her husband. They met up at the coast and some friends. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, uh, I didn't have anything else to do, and I'm kind of broke right now. So uh, I basically told her I'd go back. And then when she drove her car to get back to Portland, 
uh, to stay at my aunt's, she had to drive through McMinnville anyway, and her husband loves these uh, chocolate torts that they have at a grocery store in my town. So they went and got those, and then afterwards they came over to my place, and uh, I made them dinner. Or they sh We all helped, actually. I didn't make them dinner, but I made a stir-fry, uh, and the stir-fry actually was a big hit with everybody. Uh, we ended up uh, taking notes of the recipe because they wanted to try to make it again. I'm going to go ahead and read that to you now. So hang on just a moment. Okay. Let me find this. It will be interesting to hear recipes. <laughs> so, stalling. There we go. It was, uh, basically we cooked this all up in a cast iron pan, but it was uh, zucchini, garlic cloves, Swiss chard, which we steamed separately, but then fried a little too in the pan. Pineapple, mushroom, chicken, tomato, salt, and pepper, thyme, oregano, turmeric, 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 paprika, soy sauce, sriracha, sesame seeds, garlic powder, and then we cooked it in olive oil and butter and uh, added a little bit of water as well. Uh, nice. So that was amazing. Tasty. Oh, it was so good. Tasty, tasty. by the way. Yeah. Tasty. And uh, testy sounds like, was it annoyed with you? <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, no, it was really good. And it was fun to cook with my sister. And uh, it was uh, turned out really well. And then we ate the chocolate tort that Enrique got from the local, local grocery store for dessert. So that was great. Nice. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. And uh, let's get into some questions here. Uh, I will check on that now. So Maria asks, uh, what is the most common way to use have in a negative sentence with the meaning to possess? He has no car. Here, oh, sorry, there, here are examples. He has no car. He doesn't have a slash any car. He hasn't got a car, and the last one, I'm not sure whether people say it this way, he hasn't a car. Um, so I would say he doesn't have a car, is the way we say it in English. And I kind of feel like in British maybe they say he hasn't a car or something like that, or he hasn't, but he hasn't got sounds okay. Uh, he doesn't have a any or a car is the most normal he has no car i don't know why that sounds weird but it sounds a little weird to me he has no car uh versus he doesn't have a car so i guess it's kind of like all these are valid like grammatically valid but then maybe we have a preference as uh, americans to say he doesn't have a car uh he hasn't got a car. I think British people say he hasn't got a car, maybe, and we say he doesn't have a car, but I could be wrong. Um, and then her second question is, please can you tell some, tell us some interesting informal expressions with have? Well, I should have read this ahead of time and thought about it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> informal expressions with have. I would like to help you, but I he have no idea. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't... I'm trying to think of things we might say. He doesn't have the ability to do this. He doesn't have... 
she doesn't have any friends. He doesn't have any friends. <laughs> For some reason, that's coming to mind. <laughs> uh, that's not really a common friends. expression. Oh, I don't know. No, I was just trying to think of have in a informal expression. Okay. Actually, where where do you see these guys... questions? Because I, I don't I don't really see them on the main. Uh... Yeah, yeah. This one was on the previous week, and I'm actually in English Styles chat, and that's where you can see. Oh, by the way, everyone subscribe to that. Um, but yeah, so that's the question that we had from previous week, the previous week. Yeah, I understood. Sorry, I didn't have some better, yeah, sorry, I didn't have some better examples, Maria. Hopefully that was helpful. I think a lot of this is like kind of instinct on my part. Like, I'm not sure exactly the perfect grammar rules, but I can think about, uh, you know, what I hear people saying. So hopefully that's helpful. Uh, Yulia asks, what questions are not appropriate to ask people in your culture? So, uh, I'll try to answer this first. I would say, um, one thing is somebody who is on Hello Talk a lot talking to people, I notice is people ask me a lot about how much money I make. And, uh, I think that's kind of a faux pas, which is like a thing you don't ask in our society, but... I noticed with the older generation, the idea that you don't talk about money or your social class is kind of more, more pronounced. And with people who are younger, it seems like we talk about that kind of stuff a little bit. So uh, I think it's generational, but yeah, money is a big one and asking people exactly how much money they make. Uh, I don't think it's wrong personally. I'll answer that question, but uh, I think that's considered to be maybe socially unacceptable. And uh, other than that, I would say cult there's like a lot of cultures in the, in the United States, so it's hard to be like in our culture because we're talking about a lot of different places with different expectations and different cultural rules. Uh, what about you? What's, what's not appropriate to ask people in Ukraine? Mm, I think the most, um, the worst question that you can really ask Ukrainian, um, it's where is Ukraine like located? <laughs> because many people before the war started, they thought that Ukraine was a part of Russia. And like yeah. after the... Well, and also it depends on their knowledge of history because, you know, that was true... 30 years ago but <laughs> not since so yeah, yeah but now after think, the uh, war started and we um like uh kicked asses outside from like kicked asses out of our country back to russia so now people know that ukraine is ukraine and russia is russia yeah that's true i think the war has definitely increased the profile of the country and you know shown your uh you know your democratic streak that you have and just people are more aware of it now for sure but interestingly uh you know ukraine did have an importance for me as somebody who participates in our country's democracy uh because our previous president trump uh ended up trying to blackmail Zelensky 
uh, into providing political dirt on his opponent. I don't know if you, a lot of people you uh, follow this type of uh, thing, but um, yeah, it was he was impeached, which means that the government, uh, at least one of our bodies of government, voted to impeach him over uh, trying to extort and blackmail Zelensky. So. Uh, people who are politically knowledgeable in, in the United States, we definitely have had an idea of uh, what that there's a country called Ukraine and it's important uh, to our politics in some way. But I think for the large uh, percentage of the world, I think that the war has definitely kicked up people's interest in uh, your country and, uh, and, you know, that part of the world in general as well. So I agree with you. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know a lot about the culture in the United States, and uh, personally, I'm the type of person that, like, I'll answer any question. Like, I'll answer earnest questions from people, and, uh, you know, I think it's good to be curious, so I don't think it's bad to ask questions. Even questions that are normally off-limits, like if somebody just wants to learn about something, how else would you learn uh, than to ask questions, so... Uh, I think it's uh, it's good to do that. All right, so the next question, Shireen asks, do you believe in existence of a parallel world? If yes, have you been in some interesting or scary situation regarding it? Do you believe it? Uh, a parallel world. I think she's maybe talking about the supernatural world, like... Uh, belief in things that um, you know maybe exist outside of our our realm of thinking and uh, I would say I watch a lot of content like movies and books and such uh, shows about uh, science fiction and fantasy so I certainly enjoy believing that there is a parallel world but I would say in my personal life, I haven't, uh, I haven't encountered too many things. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a ghost, for example, and, uh, a UFO, maybe I've seen, but, uh, it's hard to say. When I was a little kid, I remember looking up at the sky and seeing this light that, uh, looked like a star, but it, like, flashed in and out of existence and moved around the sky, but, uh, you know, this might have been on 4th of July, and I might have been seeing, like, a faraway firework or something. I was, like, a really little kid, so I don't remember everything about the situation. What about you, Stas? <laughs> um, it's, like, a question for those who like fantasy. I don't I don't really know. Uh, well, I no, no, to... I mean, it's not, though. It's it's do you believe in, in the parallel world and in the real world, not uh in a fantasy to make setting. it to make it like to make it simple uh no i don't believe but i can just what, imagine what do you do it. what hmm? do you do when your friend tells you a ghost story and they say it really happened uh i don't believe them do you tell them you don't believe them or do you say oh that's interesting yeah i say that's interesting but i at the same time i don't believe you're skeptical. Yeah. Do you know that word, skeptical? Yeah, I know this word, but uh, yeah, it yeah, could be that word. skeptical. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to be skeptical in life, I'd say. Uh, which tips or advice would you give girls as a guy? I mean, as a man. 
Don't be so, so strange. Wh <laughs> <laughs> uh, what advice would you give girls as a guy? Um, well, I don't like to be like, well, as a man, I like this because I'm just myself. But uh, I would say uh, if you're talking about trying to attract somebody, I think that being forward is really good you know if you're interested in somebody like tell them you know or at least make it easy for them to ask you out uh you know don't don't pretend i mean if you're interested you know like make it obvious because uh you know you don't want to wonder what you could have had so you know and i think this is a this is good advice to men too uh it's hard enough to meet somebody uh, it's okay to take a chance, and uh, yeah, sometimes you regret it, but other times good some good stuff comes of it. So I would say, uh, you know, my best advice is to just be yourself, and uh, be honest when you like somebody, and don't assume that they are good at uh, reading subtlety. Uh, just be straightforward, and I think that'll get get you a lot. I mean, I guess some men might like being uh the ones to initiate but in general i like when it's a really easy you know if the goal is really a large goal and i don't have to work hard to kick that uh, uh winning field goal <laughs> i don't know a lot about sports uh i i appreciate it anyway so that's my uh random off the top of my head advice is your advice don't be weird <laughs> like, mm -hmm. i don't quite understand just be yourself and don't show off yeah, there you go. That's a good way to say it. Um, yeah, I think in general people can tell when you're yourself and when you're being genuine. And uh, I think that uh, if you're going to find the right person, being yourself and being humble and being genuine is, uh, is are good traits. And I think attractive traits uh, for somebody. And intelligence, you know, I think it's good to have hobbies and have interesting things to talk about. So, all right. Well, that's our advice. Uh, Cindy Paula asks, do you have the opportunity to eat food from other countries? If so, could you make a list of your favorite ones? Oof, this sounds like one we should have uh, talked about ahead of time. But uh, I really worry, like pho. I think we can manage it. Yeah, yeah, pho. It's like, uh, I don't know if I'm saying it perfectly, but it's like uh, Vietnamese soup i mean if you've heard of japanese ramen i think it's kind of like that but vietnamese flavors uh i really like thai food i have there's a thai restaurant in town and i've literally have every have had everything on their menu uh but my favorites would be pad ki mao pad ka prao and uh pad woon sen so those are my favorite thai dishes uh, my favorite food in general, I think, is uh, is Greek food um, or Mediterranean area food. I really like uh, tahini sauce, and I like lamb, and I like uh, lamb and yogurt sauce with over over rice, which I think is called a few different things in different cultures. I like sh shawarma. I like uh, I like a lot of countries' food. What about you, Stas? Um, the last time I tried Georgian food. Um, it was perfect. 
And yeah, to... Georgian food is one I've not had to try, or I've not had the opportunity. So, what are your favorite Georgian dishes? Um, let me remember the names. Like, I can search for it because uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe Hachapuri and uh, those that I tell you that I told you about. Hachapuri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like Hachapuri. Uh, am I saying it right? Yeah, Hachapuri. Hachapuri. Mm-hmm. Himkali. I ate it a uh, month ago with my friend from Zaporizhia. Yeah, what's that? Uh, I, I don't know how to describe. I mean, I, I don't have really good vocabulary to describe it. Sorry. You can just Google search <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, it, Google search it. Yeah, I can read it. I found it. Hinkali is another iconic Georgian food. It resembles the soup. Uh, dumplings you can find in China, but they are in the same. Um, they are in the same. <laughs> yeah, hinkali are actually like twisted dumpling soup. Of uh, how do you say the word D O U J H? Dough. Dough. So it's uh, artfully twisted knobs of dough, stuffed with species and lamb pork or oh, spices sorry yeah spices and lamb pork or beef and it's served Great. boiled or steamed mm -hmm. so uh in general ukraine has some dumplings too right yeah so in in general in your area uh dumplings are fairly popular like some kind of uh, pasta type thing with meat inside or potato inside. It's easy to make dumplings. I mean, I really like it. And I ate it yesterday evening. Nice. Have you gone out to eat at all in Kiev since you've been there? What did you say? Have you gone out to eat at all since you've been there? Uh, yeah, I went out with my friend from Zaporizhia. He lives here he's living here for a few months and uh, like he got paid and uh, he decided to uh how do you say ask ask me out or something like to have dinner with me he invited you to have some yeah he invited me out with him. Mm -hmm. he invited me to eat out with him and i ate uh, sushi nice mm -hmm. have you had sushi in a while uh yeah it was my like Yesterday was my second time I ate them in a week. Like, uh, I ate sushi. I, I had to eat sushi twice a week. A week, But uh, I you haven't... had sushi twice this week. Mm -hmm. I had sushi twice this week. But uh, I didn't really have them um, for a long time. What do you like on your sushi? Uh, what? what kind of rolls? Oh, really? I don't what know. What kind of sushi I rolls? I, I don't know names. I, I know only... Philadelphia or something. No, I don't. I don't really know. I don't yeah, eat them Philadelphia much. rolls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. I like them at all. I don't know many names or something. Just I like them and uh, with the. You can also call it a a Philly roll. A Philly roll. Philly, yeah. For Philadelphia roll. With soy sauce. Because that's and, a short. Uh, wasabi or soy sauce. Soy sauce. 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 Soy sauce. Soy sauce. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Soy sauce. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, cool. Well, that's some good stuff. Yeah, I would say uh, another big favorite of mine is Mexican food. Uh, I love tacos and torta tortas and uh, gua guajalotes. Is that the name of thing of a thing? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, guajalote, and uh, I like uh, sope, and uh, yeah. Lots of good Mexican food in my town because we have a lot of Mexican immigrants. So, actually, my cousin something tasty. Actually, my cousin ate uh, pita bread stuffed with some meat. Uh, it was beef, if I'm not mistaken, and he really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that Mediterranean style stuff: pita and and falafel and meat and such. Yeah, it was stuffed with vegetables and um, beef or something. Yeah, sounds tasty. Aidan asks, if your life was a movie, what would you name it? Uh, <laughs> what would I name a movie about my life? That's hard. Uh, I managed to find this, find the answer for the for this question. Yeah. So yeah, it it would call. How do you say it would be called? Yeah, it would be called the pursuit of happiness. I mean, about my life. <laughs> well, there's actually a movie called that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you might get sued for copyright infringement. Anyway, <laughs> uh, for my life, I'd be called uh, uh, hostile. No, I'm just kidding. Saw. Uh, what else did my life be called? Uh, the Exorcist. Why? Mm, Hellraiser. I'm just kidding. I don't know how to seriously answer this question, so I'm being funny. Uh, yeah. Or it could be Human Centipede. Anyway, let's move on. I don't really oh, that's all of our questions. Jokes, but it's okay. I thought I thought. Well, I they're the name. They're the names of movies that, uh, if you want to Google those movies, you can and learn about them. Uh, but they're mostly horror movies. So, I see. Anyway, uh, so let's read this article. This article: Cold plunging with Maine's ice mermaids. A photographer in Maine has been documenting groups of women who submerge themselves in near-freezing water. Here's what she's seen. By the way, this is definitely for our friend Vlad. He likes submerging himself in cold water. And, uh, yeah, so I thought I would uh, read an article about it. Let's do this. It's going to be interesting. Great. Do you like to submerge yourself in cold water, Stas? No. I tried to do this in bathroom, but uh, it, I didn't feel well. In the winter, you don't jump in a little hole. No, I don't. I don't like. really like it. My father does, but no, I don't like. Do you think this article will convince you? No, it it will not convince me. You wouldn't do it if we filmed you for the podcast and recorded a video podcast? What do you mean? Jump in icy cold water. Mm, so you want to 
force me to do this or what? No, I don't want to force you. I'm saying, do you would you do it for publicity? Um, maybe. One day I will do. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. All right, guys. So next episode, Stas is going to jump in an icy lake for uh, for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so uh, th- let's read this. Uh, do you want me to read the first paragraph and then you can read the second one? Okay. When I met Ida Lenensal, I don't know how to pronounce that uh, mark over the A. Ida Lenensal, for a plunge on a cold January day, she was pulling an axe from her car and switching into warmer boots. A few minutes later, she lit a fire in a nearby sauna, a small bubbling cobbled together, a small building, (laughs) boy, a small building cobbled together from a former fish house and an old stove. Before we walked the short slope down to a frozen pond near her home in Georgetown, Maine. She took to the ice with with the axe, uh, chipping away at the rectangular opening and shedding a layer of clothing as her body warmed from the work. Uh, when her hands or back were tired, she'd pause and stretch. Eventually her partner and children joined us, uh, lacing up skates and whirling or toddling along the pond's surface. Surface or surface. Swirling or toddling? What? Oh, I was just reading swirling or toddling along the pond surface. Surface, okay. Two friends from the area, Nicole Testa and Ariel Burns, joined to using a land ladle to scoop chunks from the water, clearing a path for their bodies. Caitlin, Hop- Caitlin Hopkins, Kelsey Angstrom, Katie Stevenson, Julie Beadle, and Judith Green Jantz in their dry robes before their plunge. The group will often dip in costumes, crowns, or with inflatable pool toys to make their swims and plunges feel like a party. That's the caption. Ida grew up in northern Sweden, close to the Finnish border, in the Arctic climate of her parents and grandparents. The presence, the practice of, (laughs) sorry guys, the practice of combining saunas and cold plunges, an aspect of her cultural and familial traditions that stretches back for generations, is something that brought her to Maine. She sees it as a way to share her culture with her community and feel connected to her home and herself. This became especially important during the pandemic, when distance between me and my people back home felt even bigger than before, she said. When the ice was ready and the sauna was warm, we all stripped to our bathing, uh, striped or stripped? Bathing suits. Do you hear me? Yeah, do you hear me? Yeah, stripped or striped? Suits. What? Bathing suits. No, I'm asking we all stripped or striped? Oh, sorry, sorry, stripped. Stripped, yeah, we all stripped. We all stripped to our bathing suits. Sorry, I, I was reading the wrong part. So stripped is like take take off your clothes. Okay, we all stripped to our bathing suits and boots and took, tra- took turns dipping our bodies into the cold water. The sun came out, but it seems to offer no warmth. 
The sauna and dip for me is a way to get out of my head and into my body, Ida said. When I'm in a hot box, which he often calls the sauna, or in an ice-cold body of water, my body doesn't worry about the future or the past, how it looks, or whether it is loved. The body just is. After the initial plunge, our bodies felt calm and slow. Uh, what is plunge? Like uh, dipping into the water quickly. Okay. After the initial plunge, our bodies felt calm and slow. It was time for the sauna. Inside the air, uh, inside the air, which smelled like cedar, was hot. Cedar. It's a type cedar. of uh, type of pine tree. Cedar was hot enough cedar. to cedar. Was hot enough to pull mm -hmm. sweat immediately. My body seemed to rel relish. My body seemed mm -hmm. to relish the experience of opposites, the way the cold and the heat affected my circulation and altered my breathing. Uh, mm -hmm. The group repeated the plunge three times. Plunge, sauna, plunge, sauna, plunge, and sauna. <laughs> Each transition felt like a little renewal. These sessions are a direct experience of the body, anchoring me into the present moment, Ida said. It has taught me to sit with the uncomfortable, both the hot and the cold, to breathe through it, to pay attention. It has taught me to listen to my body and to hear what it needs. It's a ritual, sacred almost, and the bliss when it's over lasts for hours. Ida Lenensal, one of the three plunges during an ice dip session. After the initial hurdle of getting into the water, everything slows down. The breath, the heart, the buzz of the brain, she said. That's one photo. And the other photo says, Ida walks between the sauna and the icy pond. Afterward, intrigued by the experience, I started asking around about other women who seek out cold water. I'd started winter. Women. What did you say? Women. Women. Not what? women. Women. Yeah. Women? Mm-hmm. Okay, women women mm -hmm. i'd started yeah thank you i'd started winter surfing uh a few years ago and understood the ways the water could impact my body and mind especially when it was cold i usually surf with w women uh, many of mm -hmm. them beginners like me but the process of cold plunging i found was its own distinct experience with its own intention and power Later that winter, I parked my car by a farmhouse in Bremen, Maine, and walked across an ice-bound meadow to the shores of a lake. The snow had frozen into a slick crust. Undaunted, a small group carried provisions and snacks to share down to the lakeside. Turning, taking turns with an axe, hammer, saw, and drill, the group spent hours cutting an enormous heart into the lake to celebrate Valentine's Day. And I'll read some of the captions. Kelsey during the a plunge. The whole process has definitely gotten easier with time and practice, she said, but there is still a small feeling of, I don't think this is a good idea before I get into the water. For freshwater dips, the process of cutting a hole in the ice is just as much a part of the dip 
Part of the dip is an act of submersion. It requires strength and stamina and is often a communal effort. A year before, Caitlin Hopkins and Kelsey Hartley, who organized uh, the dip, had posted signs around their community in all caps. Valentine's Day Mermaids Sighting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, let me check the translation of it. Valentine's oh, okay, okay. Day Mermaid Sighting. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I just didn't know the word mermaid, but I uh, like mermaid. remember it. Like it's a woman with a, f with a tail, like a fish. Yeah. Okay, they like went... Like the Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. I got it. They went to their local beach and shimmed... Shimmed... Shimmied. Shimmied into mermaid tails, playing on the rocks. Shimmying is like shaking your body to, like, get into some clothing or to do a dance. Oh, okay. Shimmied into mermaid tails, playing on the rocks and uh, in the water. A few families brought their kids to witness the episode. Some winter beach walkers were thrilled to the rest befuddled. Bef what do you say? Befuddled. befuddled. It's like uh, confused. Okay, befuddled. That day, Caitlin and Kelsey began calling themselves two main mermaids. They dip year-round in different locations, often in costumes or crowns, and to celebrate new moons and full moons, sometimes using the name Ebb and Flow group. We started with our small group, celebrating birthdays, solstices, full moons, and anything else we could think of right at the beginning of COVID, Caitlin Hopkins explained. Some days it's serene, peaceful, and just calming. Sometimes it's a party. Either way, the water always gives us exactly what we need. Never fails. Caption says, Judy Beetle's lips turn blue after a cold water dip. Only half of the group decided to plunge into the cutout heart on that cold day in February. What is cutout heart? So in a previous paragraph, they talked about how they cut a heart into the ice for Valentine's Day. Maybe I missed something because it's really like um, it's hard to follow they, everything. They, they they cut the ice into the shape of a heart. Oh, okay. For the now holiday Valentine's Day, where you celebrate love. Mm hmm. Now I understand. All right. Cool. Uh, thank you. In swimsuits, mm -hmm. booties, and mitts. Let me check what it's mitts. Yep. Oh, like gloves. Mitts are like little gloves. Gloves, okay. Uh, booties and mitts, like the kind surfers wear. They lowered themselves into the water. Lowered. Lowered. Lowered themselves mm -hmm. into the water, mingling with the little icebergs and slush. Mm -hmm. a, few hugged, a few hugged the ice or pulled their bodies onto the larger chunks. Their spirits, uh, say this please. Buoyant. 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 Buoyant means floating, like floating in the Their water. Their spirits buoyant. Mm -hmm. And what, like, what is the meaning of all of this? I mean, let me check the translation because yeah, it's really it's understand. like it's a little literary. Like they're saying their spirits, which is like their souls, are floating. 
but I think it's like a explanation for the kind of serenity you feel when you're in the in the ice. Mm, okay. Um, they monitored the minutes both to test stamina, stamina or stamina. 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 It's like your endurance. Do you know that word? Endurance. Yeah, yeah, I know stamina. this word, but I don't know how to yeah. say it. Yeah. Stamina. And to protect their mm -hmm. bodies from frostbite. To protect their bodies from frostbite. Protect. Protect. Yeah, sorry. Protect. Protect yeah. their bodies from frostbite. Do you Not, know what frostbite is? Uh, yes, I know, but I don't know how to explain it. It's like when your body dies because it's too cold and you have to cut off the limb because it's dead. Yes, thank you. Uh, most stayed in for five minutes, a few for seven. When they emerged, uh, they smiled through bluish lips. Bluish. Mm -hmm. After I get out, I don't try to rush into my towel or dry robe, said Kelsey Engstrom. I like to stay in my swimsuit for as long as possible. I just like the way my skin feels in the air after being in the water. After swimming, I feel very strong and happy and calm, she added. I don't think I've ever been in a bad mood after a dip. Judith Greenjans cozies up before... <laughs> Judith Greenjans cozies up before a cold plunge. Like many others, she wears a hat and gloves to protect her extremities from the extreme cold. Judith Greenchance slowly immerses herself into the cold water. The pond's water temperature hovered around 30 degrees Fahrenheit, and many dippers stayed in the water for around 15 or 20 minutes. Can you just make it to the... Um, like, for a few pages? I mean, not for a few pages, for a few... Uh... Oh, just keep reading, please. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. Uh, Katie Stevenson, who also dips with two main mermaids, is taking a year off from medical school and has enrolled in a course about medical chapel chaplaincy. I don't practice a formal faith tradition at any at this point in my life, but being in the water feels more sacred to me than any church service I've ever attended, she said. When I'm stressed, yeah, 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 no, oh, you got oh, it. yeah, yeah, I got it. When I'm stressed in the hospital, I try to find the nearest window with a view uh, of any water. She told me, I envision myself in the water, feeling the lapping of the waves against my chest, the pressure of my lungs contract contracting. Hang on, yeah, contracting and expanding. contracting and expanding in protest uh, to to the deep cold, focusing my energy on slow, measured breath. breath. Measured. Measured. Did I say measured? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Measured breath. Seeing whatever incredible sunrise, sunset, or full moon I saw most recently. Sometimes when I have particularly troubling... Uh, troubling? Troubling. Troubling. Troubling patient visits. I envision the suffering that I, uh, that I or the patient and their family are experiencing, experience, experiencing getting carried away by the waves. Hey, uh, could I get you to read these captions? I have to take a quick break. 
Uh, what did you say? The captions for the pictures. Can you read them real quick? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Caitlin Hopkins look out, looks out every, over, <laughs> over the ice cave. The water always gives uh, us exactly what we need, she said. And Ida Lanesto on the left and Iril Burns uh, head into a small sauna in between cold plunges. Cold plunges. The decision to turn uh, our neighbor's our neighbor's old smelled fishing shack into a sauna is probably my top three best decisions since moving to Maine, Ida said. Permanently parking parking it at the pond permanently parking it at a pond? Also top three. Should I keep reading? Hello. Uh, okay. The annual tradition of the polar bear plunge has excite has existed in the United States and beyond for more than one hundred years, but informal cold plunging groups seem to be uh, proliferating. The red hot chili dip dippers uh, in Vermont. The Puget Sound. Vermont. Vermont. Pudgets. The Puget here. I'll Puget. take over. Sorry. Okay, the Puget yeah. Sound plungers in Washington State, the blue tits, chill swimmers, and the wild and skilly mermaids in Britain, to name only a few. Recently, what feels different in the sense of mindfulness around the process of the plunge is the sense of mindfulness around the process of the plunge. Many of the people I met by the water told me they were. They were there because cold plunging gave them a way to live with a certain fullness. It gave them a process to have internal intimacy with grief, trauma, and pain, while connecting more challenging emotions with joy and humor. Emmy Hopkins organized uh, a group of diapers or dippers. Dippers. Dippers in York, Maine. They meet at local beaches and bays, sometimes with water so cold and slushy. It has the consistency of a margarita. margarita. I met her and a group of uh, women, 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 yeah. At the the edge, oh my god, I'm so sleepy. (laughs) At the edge of the beach around sunrise on a foggy morning, the sky milky and the sun slow to emerge. They waded into the water and submerged their heads. Uh, their dips squeak like baptism. Ba- what? Baptisms. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. For them, the most rewarding part of the ritual is the act of submersion, a moment of total submission to the cold. When your body is in that fight or flight, it's shocking, said Amy, who started her career as a labor and delivery nurse. The cold temperature immediately makes everything constrict and protect. Blood rushes to all your vital organs. Emmy found her way to cold water while mooring, mooring, mourning, mourning. mourning the loss of her two parents and the collective loss of the pandemic. Uh, she's now facilitating dip uh, trips for women and working with school counselor, counselors. To provide cold counselors, counselors, and to provide cold plunges for high schoolers in a business she has named the Saltwater Mountain Corporation. 
but she started by organizing free open community plunges like the one at the cold foggy cove 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 under the name dip down to rise up in that post dip feeling participants often splash or hug one another emerging uh from the water holding hands in a place like maine or i'll read the caption real quick for the picture okay, yeah. rihanna Sinnott stokes a fire to warm the dippers after they emerge from the lake rihanna is one of the managing operators of a former summer camp turned lakeside retreat called Otioqua, which has hosted cold plunging groups. In a place like Maine, for six months out of the year, the relationship with nature is one of hardship, even pain. The cold air hurts your exposed skin. The wind can chap your lips and make your eyes water. Running errands usually requires scraping the windshield and shoveling snow. Winter is harsh and erratic, but it's just so, also just long, maddeningly so. Yeah, let me finish this one. I mean, till the end. Okay. And so the prevailing culture retains a sense of pride regarding the harshness. Harshness? Harshness. Yeah, Mm -hmm. an ability to find pleasure in the endurance of it all. Mainers understand that there is a symmetry in living in a place with extremes, uh, that there is no Mm -hmm. warmth without stretches of cold. You can't think about the main winter without talking about depression, the depression that comes from just being in a long winter. Emmy Hopkins said. Being. Being, being. Uh, but with this practice, you are meeting the season. Instead of complaining, you are meeting the season. Uh, I never loved winter until I started doing this, she said. And that's uh, it. Good yeah. job. So I never loved. Well, I guess immer- I'll read this little. I never loved immersing and plunged into the I'm- cold water before I started reading this article. I said. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's one other little caption. The ebb and flow group, also called the two main mermaids, congregates before a cold plunge. While the community usually dips in the ocean, they also organize special dips in lakes and ponds. Yeah, we, we made it. Yeah, woo. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So, uh, Vlad, you're welcome for promoting your, uh, your worldview. <laughs> He really likes cold water and, and uh, thinks it's very therapeutic. He will enjoy listening to this article. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to try to have him on the podcast someday, but he lives in China and his schedule is kind of difficult for that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, meanwhile, thanks everyone for keep sticking with us. And, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to keep doing podcasts and keep it up even through the war and through everything going on and thanks for your questions and for listening yeah thanks guys thanks miles and uh, i really i'm really glad that you invited me here today and uh, i hope everything will be okay me too yeah thank you for a better future for everyone all right see you guys bye bye